You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. We are back. It's the international break and we're here. It's Greece versus the Republic of Ireland. And I've got Stephen from Hellas Footy Pod on to join me to give me the lowdown on the Greek national team. Stephen, firstly, how are you this fine? Um, what day is it today? Wednesday. 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 Uh, sweating a bit, not just because of the game, but because it's really warm in London where I am. And it's especially with all the houses just not fit for the weather at the moment. It's just like being in an oven every day, whether you're outside or in. Yeah, it's similar enough here in Dublin, to be fair, as well. The, the, the weather's been cracking the last couple of days. But as I say, we don't get it too often. So, so long may it continue. Um, yes. I suppose you, you're saying you're, you're living in London. And maybe for people who don't know kind of what you guys do at Hellas Footy Pod, you might tell us what you guys do. So uh, Hellas Football is a site where we write about Greek football in English because there's a lot of Greeks who are maybe Greek ethnically but aren't born in Greece or Cyprus um, and so they may not speak the language or might find it difficult to speak the language um, and so we do a lot of our content in English um, so we, we post regularly on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we write articles, I write a, f- a fair few articles whenever I whenever I can and we also have a podcast as you, as you entailed on pretty much every platform you can imagine, Spotify, Apple, Music, and you name it, we're on it. And that's pretty much what we do. And we give as many regular updates about Greek football as possible. We cover the Super League, obviously. We cover the national team. We cover all the Greek players that play domestically and abroad as well. So like, we, if Gostas Simikas does something significant at Liverpool, we'll post about that. And that's pretty much what we do. And we, we have a good time doing it as well. It's pretty much what what we do here uh, at our football fan TV as well. Quite, quite similar, so um, appreciate the hustle there. Um, to be fair to you, so um, we got you on to give us the lowdown, I suppose, about Greece. Um, you know, uh, I, I I'm not sure if you saw our games so far in in the group, but uh, you know, we, we had a good performance against France. And uh, I felt we were quite unlucky in that game to, to lose one nil. I thought we had a really, really good performance. We kept most of their players quiet, and the one chance that they did have, they absolutely buried it. And I, I suppose that's what you're dealing with the, with the level of quality um, that's there. You know, um, we had a little kind of warm up match against Latvia, but you can't really read too much into that. But the players are away at the moment. The Irish players have been away on like a camp. And I think Stephen Kenny's been trying to make it kind of feel like a bit more of a kind of club type feel. A lot of the players have been off um, since the end of the championship. A lot of our players obviously will be in the championship and, and the lower leagues in England, um, bar a few. But uh, it seems as though the, the, the camp has gone quite well. There doesn't seem to be any injuries or anything so far. But um, yeah, I suppose just from, from your own point of view, have you seen any of our stuff so far? Well, the, the game against France that you guys played did make me feel very uh, nervous to play you guys. I was already nervous because the, the, um, I see this: the, these two games against Ireland for Greece are the games that are must-win, not only to try and finish top two, but to at least finish as strong as possible because we're fortunate that we have a playoff place from the Nations League. Um, so if we don't qualify via the, the qualifiers, we at least have that to try and get through as well. But that game made me nervous because despite the loss, as you said, Ireland played really well. And I was surprised that it was still nil-nil at half time. And 
you guys were a bit unfortunate with the goal you conceded. And and like you said, the, the friendly afterwards didn't necessarily isn't really a reflection of, of of how you guys can play competitively. So yeah, it, despite the fact you lost to France, they're still France, and they and you guys look pretty good against them. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know I think everyone's going to be fearing France and Netherlands, but you also see the way the the French destroyed the Netherlands as well. I think that destroyed was a shock them. to everybody in that game. I remember watching it um, a couple of days before we played them, and I was thinking, oh no, like. But I think in a way that might have actually worked well towards for Ireland to kind of suit their game plan to kind of go, okay, we can't be gung ho here like maybe the Dutch maybe were on the night, you know. But f- from um, from an opposition point of view, I suppose, who should Ireland be fearful from a Greek point of view? Um, well, there's there's numerous players in the in the squad that could give Ireland issues. I mean, it's certainly in def- in defence. I mean, our goalkeeper of the sales Vlakothimos is a very good goalkeeper. Plays for Benfica consistently in the Champions League. He might be moving to Villa. That's what I've been hearing. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, obviously, Costas Simicas, who's excellent at left back. Um, Dinos Mavropanos, who will probably our best defender at the moment, Bundesliga playing with Stuttgart, very good defender, and hopefully he can keep Evan Ferguson quiet in particular because I'm very scared of Evan Ferguson after seeing how well he's done at Brighton. Um, in midfield, our captain um, uh, Dasos Pakasetas, who plays in Turkey for Traps on Spore, he 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 can just score a goal from more or less out of nowhere. Uh, he's he's a Pretty, he's been probably our biggest goal threat, actually, if anything, um, in, in, ever since Gus Poyet took over as as Greece manager. And up front, we have a pretty, a, we have three strikers coming in in very good form. So you have Dasos Tuvikas, who's top scorer of the Eredivisie with Bucharest this season. You have Yorgos Yakomakis, who was doing well at Celtic before he moved to Atalanta, um, Atlanta United, sorry, in MLS, who's in good form there. And also you have Vangelis Pavlidis, who's also doing well in the Eredivisie with Azad Alkmaar. But the the problem with our strikers are that they're great for their clubs, but when they pull on the Greek football shirt, they uh, forget to score. So I don't know how much of a threat they'll be, but in theory, they should be a big threat. So that just naming players off the top of my head, uh, those are, for me, are the biggest threats in all areas of the pitch. Yeah, I think um, your captain, uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Can you say it again? Uh, Bakasetas. Well, he, uh, I think he's your top scorer. I went through the stats. I think he's your top scorer in the squad. Yes. Yeah, he's got 11 goals, which is almost double of the next best, which is bubbly this on six. So, as I said, he, he ever since Poet's come in, he's he's been playing. Prior to Poet coming in, Bacacetas was actually a bit of a, um, a controversial figure in the national team because un- uh, under the previous manager, John Van Schip, no one understood why he was being played because he was awful. He, he was being played a- a- as a number 10. He wasn't really contributing as a number 10 should. Um, and he almost felt like he was a passenger for a lot of the ga- a lot of games, despite the fact he was made captain. Um, and we couldn't even understand why he was made captain either. But under Poyet, he's been in a 4-3-3. He's been playing a much more reserved role, but he's actually contributing to way more goals he's being much more productive so like I said he and, and he's been showing the why he's been made captain on and off the pitch now so it, it, he's a massive asset to this team yeah I think he'll be one that we'll be we'll be kind of looking at trying to keep quiet uh see what a lot of our troubles tend to come from midfielders like that who's who kind of you know I imagine 
from the way you describe him is he's a player who likes to shot from distance and we don't tend to do well or defend well against players like that. We tend to do everything else right, but then when there's a, a strike from distance, um, we tend to stand off and, and let the players have a strike. And, and nine times out of ten, it actually goes in against us. I don't know what it is, but we seem to be cursed with them long uh, strikes against us. And I, that was going to lead me on to a question I want to ask, actually, because you have, I know you have three very talented goalkeepers, but none of them are starting consistently for their teams as far as I'm aware. So, like, how does how does that work? Who's the definite, is it is it Bazunu who's who's the starter or is it Kelleher? Because I've never been quite sure of which one would I, would, would be starting for Ireland because I don't follow the team as much. Uh, Bazunu... Bazunu had had been starting. I think only the last maybe three or four games he was um, benched by Southampton. I'm not gonna say he was dropped because I don't think he was dropped. I think they were just trying something different. But other people might say differently. But uh, I think Bazunu. A lot of people. A lot's been made of his first season in the Premier League. I don't think he's done badly. A lot of people. You know, it depends on who you listen to. To be honest with you, um, any of the games that I've watched him and he's played in. Sure, there's been games where he looked a bit shaky. I mean, with the guy who's only 20 years of age playing in the Premier League, and you know, he he's still he's still got so much to kind of learn and grow into. And I'm excited to see how well he kind of grows over the next couple of years. But I I, I think he's number one for me. Kelleher doesn't start. Um, he had a recent game, I think, for Liverpool. I think Allison was out injured or some reason why Kelleher played, but. Uh, he only ever seems to play when there's something wrong with the Liverpool number one, whereas Bazunu has been in there regularly. And Travers, um, he had actually a good game against Everton on the last game of the season. He pulled off some really good saves. But he seems to be bottom of the uh, the ladder, it seems, with the Irish uh, national team. He, he made a mistake, or kind of half a mistake, I would say, against uh, Serbia. And Mitrovic, it was kind of the start of Mitrovic really going on a big uh, run of scoring goals, and he's kind of still continued to be on that. And uh, yeah, I think with um, since then he's never got his chance back in goal, and and that was the game after that was when Bazunu got his chance against Luxembourg. I know he got beat by Luxembourg, but he wasn't at fault at that game. He's never really looked back. He's I think whenever he's been fit and available, Bazunu he's been um, Stephen Kenny's number one choice. You know the the whole thing with Kelleher not being picked for Liverpool just, uh, unless there's something severely wrong with Alisson is is almost reflective of what's happened with uh, Costas Simicas over Robertson because obviously Robertson's a fantastic player but Klopp especially in seasons where he doesn't do so well like um, after they won the, the season after they won the title and and this season's just gone um, when when he's under pressure he he sticks to his men you know and, and, and Robertson's one of his men and so Simicas has barely seen any football this season despite Whenever he plays, from in my opinion, he's been relatively good for them. But he's actually had less minutes than James Milner this season, who's you know twilight of his career. Obviously, an absolute professional. Um, but you want to see, as a Greek fan, you want to see Zimikas getting more time at Liverpool or see him leave elsewhere because he's so important for the national team. He, we, we, you know, he's tipped as former uh, as a as a, as a hope maybe a future captain. Um, and 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 he's like I said, he's integral to a lot of what what we do under Gus Poyer. I think we're in a similar situation with uh, with Seamus Coleman being out. Um, he's obviously out injured. Um, this is the fact that when when he is fit, he tends to come in and play maybe play a game. I think the Greek game would have been a game that he would normally traditionally play in. Um, and then you kind of have Matt Doherty who hasn't been playing. 
at Atletico Madrid. He went to Atletico Madrid, and it was it was looked to be a good move, and everyone was excited because you have these you have this player who goes to one of the best clubs in Europe and doesn't get a kick for them. So it's kind of I think Coleman would be a big miss in this game, and I think that that um, Darty might. He might benefit from that because I don't think if he if the two of them were there, I don't think that uh, Doherty would start this one if Coleman and him there. Although he could play at left back, but um, it seems as though he's going to go with Callum O'Dowd at left wing back. I think there, and I'd say I'll go with Matt Doherty at right wing back. Um, but Doherty's never really been. He's never like he's come into a lot of camps where he hasn't played a lot, and then he ends up playing the the, the full games. And it tends to benefit him, so we're just hoping that it maybe it does benefit him. But I haven't seen the best of Matt Doherty since uh, he left Wolves uh, all those years ago. Now I think it was three years ago. Now we just haven't really seen yeah. the same player. Whereas Seamus Coleman, I think if he was fit, I think he'd be in there, and I think he'd be starting. And as I said, he, he kept Mbappe quiet there in the Aviva not too long ago. Well, in terms of injuries for Greece, uh, the whole re- well, the the, the the biggest controversy of the, of the of this international break for Greece so far was the uh, the two players who weren't called up. One one has been called up now, um, which was Dovikas, because despite being top scorer of the Eredivisie, he wasn't initially called up by Gus Poyet. So Gus Poyet called up um, uh, for this Ioannidis, who has had an okay season at Panathinaikos, not a guaranteed starter, but he's always been a good impact player for them in the league this season. But there was such confusion as to why they didn't pick Duvigas. And so Ioannidis uh, got injured. And that's why Poyet brought Duvigas in. And we just thought, well, why didn't you just bring him in in the first place? And, and the other bigger mission not related to injury uh, is uh, Gostas Fortunis. So if, if people are not familiar with him, he's hailed as one of Greece's most talented players of his generation. He's Olympiagos centre midfield, uh, attacking midfielder. He's one of the top assisters in the league this season. Um, but Poyet uh, came out it, to, to the Greek media and said the reason why he didn't pick Fortunis to come into this team, despite his form being good, is uh, as a stylistic decision. And and while I, I can understand that and I appreciate that he doesn't want to play 43-1 to, to accommodate a player like Fortunis, his, uh, his logic isn't sound because I feel like you need a player like that as a plan B at least to bring into the squad, especially if he deserves it based on form. And, and Fortunis has been actually quite versatile this season. He's played on the wing. He can play centre mid if need be. Um, and I and I think that he would be an, a benefit to this team. So if there was a player that I think is a huge miss from Greece, uh, even if he doesn't start um, um, when he is called up, is Fortunis against the Republic of Ireland. Because he, he could be, a, if we need a goal in like with 10 minutes to go and it's nil-nil or we're down a goal to you guys, He's a perfect player to bring off the bench with regards to creativity, and we just don't have that now. Yeah, sounds like Karagounis. Oh, Karagounis, yes. What a legend. Of... You know what? Karagounis, interestingly, the, the, the Greek national team that won the European Championships in 2004, they, they have a legends team um, who, do t- who play friendlies against like, other legend teams or uh, against other teams in Greece. And when you see Garagunis play for them now, he's in his early mid forties. He looks like he can still play professional football now. He's he's his work rate is unbelievable. He still looks really fit. Um, and yeah, you know, you you mentioned Garagunis in it to any Greek, and they'll they'll always bring a smile to their face because he it was well one of the greatest players to play for the national team. Yeah, sounds like Robbie Keane. He's still banging them in for soccer, aid, isn't he? Um, the other yes. as well. <laughs> yeah. We could do it, but we 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 seem to have a, a, a good goal scorer now. 
in the Premier League, although he's only 18 years of age, and Evan Ferguson, he just seems to be the name that everybody's talking about. I did an interview with uh, Dennis Irwin yesterday. He was talking about him, and every legend that you can think of is asked about him every single time he's brought up. I did something with Harry Redknapp recently as well, and he brought him up uh, all just really raving about him. And it's been a long time, a very, very long time, that someone's actually been talking about an Irish player so highly rated. And, you know, because we, we we get, I suppose a bit of stick saying oh yeah you're hyping this player up you're hyping that player up with Michael Obafemi or Troy Parrott or Adam Eda any of these lads but it seems as though Evan Ferguson is the real deal and I know we spoke just before just off air uh, before we started and you said that you were kind of fearing him so what's your kind of thoughts going into it with him and do you think that maybe if you're so solely focused on him that it might uh, open it off for another player maybe to to capitalize I think we have defenders that are capable of dealing with a player like Ferguson. But I, I, I know it's a, gr- it's a grueling Premier League season. You know, he's had a great season. Brighton have been excellent this season. As I've said a million times, like he's, he, he's a really great talent for the future. And he looks the finished product already at times when he has played. Um, and I'm, I'm so afraid of him because I, I could just see us going down a goal and he's the one who gets on the end of it. You know, he, he, he can score pretty much any goal um, from, from what I have seen of him. And... And even though he's only eighteen, he looks such like such a mature player. And, and um, it's it's a it's a credit to Ireland for getting to managing to keep a player like that. Because obviously, I know this is a sore subject for a lot of Irish fans. But to lose a lot of players who are of Irish descent to England is who are very talented. Is, it must be a difficult thing. But to keep have a player like Ferguson who has made that commitment is is must be an amazing thing to have in your team. Sorry, there's a mute there. Um, I think what everybody is kind of annoyed about is the fact that his dad's Irish, he grew up in Ireland and everything like that and I think there was a slight inkling that um, he might consider England because his mom was born there but he, he put that to bed recently enough and uh, he's committed he's played for the Irish team the, the whole way up so um, he, he seems committed and yeah, there's no there's no way back for him now I suppose he played against France and um, I think he's going to be Ireland's number 9 for, for a long time to come and I think we're going to be dependent on him for a number of years to come. I mean, we don't have too many players we actually can say we can depend on. And so far, for every single question that he's been asked, he's answered, you know, um, with conviction every single time. He doesn't look phased by anything. He's playing against Premier League players in the uh, in the Premier League and, you know, he's helped Brighton to a European finish in the Premier League as well. So I, I just, I don't think coming up against Greece will phase him. I'm not saying he's going to destroy Greece. I just think that it's it's nice to come to see one of our own players actually come in and not be phased because it, we always seem to look like we just don't know what to do a lot of the time. Uh, our players, like we, we just, we look lost out of ideas and at least now with a focal point and someone of his size and stature um, and he can play a bit too. But the fact is now we've actually got Adam Eda, who's another unit as well. And if we could get him up there alongside him, I think that would occupy the Greek uh, defence. And I think that could cause the Greek defence uh, problems midfield-wise. I don't really see us causing too much of a threat. I think Josh Cullen will pull the strings like he normally does for us um, from that defensive midfield position. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a moment of magic that probably decides it uh, for either side. But... Um, I usually finish on a, I suppose, uh, a prediction of how you think it's going to go. So I'll let you go first and then I'll give my prediction afterwards. Okay, well, 
I try not to be too pessimistic because that's the automatic kind of choice for me when it comes to talking about predictions. I think being at home in the new Hagia Sophia Stadium, um, which is which is the new home ground of Greece um, and Ajax Athens, I'm going to say that we win very narrowly one nil. But um, I will also caveat that by saying that I will not be surprised if we don't win this game because. Greece have lost to way worse teams than the Republic of Ireland in the last decade of not qualifying for any major tournaments. Um, but I hope that we ha we have the players, so I hope we have enough to get a typically Greek 1-0 win. Yeah, we'll see our, our um, famous, typically uh, famous scoreline is, is generally 1-1. One, one. Um, some some people call it a 1-1 win because it so often happens. We usually go a goal down and come back and score a late equaliser and take a draw on the road. I think we are due an away win, so I'm going to go for a 1-0 uh, away win, Evan Ferguson to score. Um, I think that would be a huge result for us. I, I Yeah, I just have a feeling that may happen. I just, you know, when you just kind of get that feeling, I, that's that's what I have. Sure. And, and, and for, for me, you know, I, I know it's only the, well, for some it's the second game, but it's, it's like one of the, uh, still early in the qualifying process. But for me, if we don't beat Ireland in this game, that's almost certainly us kissing top two goodbye. Because even with Holland and France being the two favourites, to have any chance of getting second, we need to beat Ireland home at home and we need to go to Dublin and get at least, well, at the a win there too. Um, but, and like I said, we have the playoffs, but if we go into the playoffs looking poor, I'm not confident because we play Turkey in the in the semifinals, potentially, depending on other results in other qualifying groups. And that will be a tough game as well, not just from a footballing perspective, but from a historical political perspective as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we need to basically start getting results on the road. And if we don't start getting... Um big wins against uh, nations that are similar to us. I think Stephen Kenny might end up uh, losing his job because it's just been, there's been too many games that have passed us by without results. And we've done well in games, but not got the result. I mentioned France. I mentioned Portugal a few years ago where we were 1-0 up and then Ronaldo scored two goals in the last few minutes of the game. We end up losing 2-1. Um, but a really, really good performance on the day. Um so I'm just hoping that we can have one of those performances but actually get the win on top of it. And I think that's that's something that we need to do and, and we need to continue to start being a bit more um, harder to beat on, on the road. You know, if you go a goal up, we need to kind of protect that lead. And I think that's that's the kind of horrible uh, Ireland that we need to be to just protect those leads. Like, it's all well and good and we play nice football now. But it's 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 about kind of closing off the game, closing off the result, and getting the win, and then moving on. And I think that's something that the manager needs to start doing because there's times where we've been, I think we played was it Armenia we played and uh, we got it back to two two. Then we beat them three two with a late Robbie Brady penalty because VAR brought it back for a handball. Whereas we were two nil up cruising, and then next minute we just let them straight back into it, and they were, got two goals within. Uh, two minutes and like that we were under the cosh again and it just it didn't look good on the manager and then people were asking questions on top of that but if we can start just maybe seeing games out like this and I'm not saying we're going to I do think it's going to be a tough game and I, I really think it's going to be an interesting game and I wouldn't be surprised if it did end up a draw a nil nil or a one one but I do Me think neither. it's going to be a tight I do really think it's going to be a tight game and it could go it could swing either way 
I think if Ireland were to get a goal in the first half, um, I think then they could hold on to it. But I wouldn't suggest uh, scoring too early. But look, I, I just think it makes for an interesting game, and um, I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, and because uh, it's uh, you talk about how even the teams are. There are only a couple of places apart in, in the FIFA rankings, which you know doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I guess. It is a kind of interesting gauge because I think you guys are 49th, Greece are 52nd, if I'm not mistaken. So very close in that in that terms of where FIFA think both teams are. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be a really intriguing game because Greece, um, well, under point, we've looked good at times, but it's not necessarily against teams that we oh, that we, we we should be seen seen as a challenge against this. Like the, the biggest challenges we've played recently are are Hungary. In a friendly, which again is a friendly match, but we didn't uh, look that great and lost two one. We we play the, the biggest challenge we've had in recent months is, if anything, is Northern Ireland, where we beat them, um, you know, home and away. And that, that, but even then, like to have a, a bit even bigger challenge like France, Holland, like how are we gonna if we can't beat Ireland, who's a comparable team to us? How are we supposed to do anything against? The, the the Dutch or the or the French and and the, the the biggest games apart from the biggest game apart from both games against Ireland from for me is what if if Holland are struggling in this qualifying process and we we play them in October at in Athens that's that could be a huge game if we're still even in co- contention for the top two. Yeah, I think you know we feel the same way. Is that we you know we need to prove to ourselves that we can get a good result away from home, and that will give us confidence in other games in the group. So yeah, look, it's going to be really really interesting. Um, I suppose at this stage we'll just see how it pans out. But I just want to say a huge thanks to yourself, Stephen, for for joining me, giving us the lowdown, and uh, yeah, again, I am I'm going to let you plug the Hellas Footy pod there away and let people know where they can find you once again. Um, and yeah, before we wrap it up. Yes, well, thank you very much for having me on. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, and I, I look forward to the game. Even though there's been so much football this year, Interna- one one last international break can't hurt. Um, so you can find Hellas Football on all social medias um, with the tag at Hellas Footy. Um, our podcast is known as the Hellas Football or Hellas Footy podcast. If you search on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other um, app you listen to your podcast on. You can find me on my personal uh, social media at Steve Conturu. My surname is long. It is K-O-U-N-T-O-U-R-O-U. And I normally write articles for Hellas Football. My team is Olympiagos uh, in, in club football, so I don't really shut up about them. So if you want to know more about Olympiagos specifically, you can find me about, uh, talking about that as well. And I, I do talk about the Cyprus national team a little bit too, because that is where I'm from ethnically. Um, so yes, anything Greek football related, definitely go to Hellas Football. There you go, and there you have it. Um, don't forget to like the video, don't forget to subscribe if you're new to the channel as well, and don't forget to give Stephen's um, channels uh, a look, and, and, and maybe a listen as well ahead of the, the big game now on Friday night. Um, I just got the new jersey there, I got it earlier on, so I have it. Ah, see, I ordered my new jersey literally today, so hopefully that arrives just before the game. Yeah, now... Um, Hopefully we'll have a watch along as well. But listen, thanks very much for watching, guys, and uh, we will speak to you all soon. Take care. The IFF TV Podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate, and subscribe.